going to be reading from Psalm 57. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples for great is your love reaching to the heavens your faithfulness reaches to the skies be exalted O god above the heavens let your glory be above all the earth Amen. let us pray dear god we thank you that you are the God that we can come to asking for mercy, asking for protection, reminded of your love and praising you, and you are so worthy. And Lord, I pray that you would be in our midst today with each person watching online throughout this pavilion and whoever else is joining us, Lord, and that your presence would be here and that this word would transform each of us into more and more into your image. I ask this in your son's precious name. Amen. You be seated. Well, good morning, Grace City. We are coming to the close of our Songs of the Summer series. We are in our penultimate week of this series. And this week we're going to be looking at Psalm 57 that Melissa just read. And one of the things that has been said about this um, series that we've been in the book of Psalms, and I'll be honest, I would say if, you, if there was one book of the Bible that I have been in the most probably in the past several years, it is the book of Psalms. And it is because, and I think we've noted, that it, there is so much range and diversity of emotion. No matter what it is that you are experiencing in a given moment, there is a psalm that captures that in a way that may be more, even better than what you can and so we're in a psalm this week that captures a wide range of emotions. Sometimes we're in and it's all about praise or it's all about lament. And here you see so many different feelings. You heard from Melissa, you have this cry for mercy. You have a recognition that there is disaster, but it's going to pass. He is the God that saves and, um, saves and rebukes those that pursue. Even in the midst of lions, he is there, but he is exalted the psalmist will praise the Lord among the nations, for great is the Lord's love, reaching to the heavens. Be exalted, be exalted. And so you see, you start from mercy, and you end with this thing of praise. And we'll be diving into all of that throughout this, this message. 
One of the things is we look at the Psalms, we don't always have the benefit of knowing exactly what's going on in the psalmist's life when, you, when we read the psalm. But in this particular case, we know what's going on. This psalm was written during one of the pursuits of Saul when he is chasing after David to kill him. And David and his men are hiding in the cave of Engedi. Saul's jealousy and insecurity is driving this pursuit. David did nothing wrong, but he wants David dead. So how many of you have ever been pursued by a king that wants to kill you? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> See one hand. But how many of us have had a moment where you feel like you're being attacked, when you feel like the world is too much, when you just need to get away? How many of you have experienced that? So none of us maybe have had that experience except maybe one of an anger king wanting us dead, but we all have had that desire to want to escape, to run away. And so the song that we're um, going to be pairing this with today is a song I know it from being sung by Tiffany in the 80s. Apparently it was sung in the 60s by someone, Tommy Jones and the Chandrells. James and the Chandrells. And then apparently Green Day covered this in 2020. So no matter what generation you're a part of, you should have known the song, I think we're alone now. And one of the lyrics is, running just as fast as we can, trying to get away into the night, then we tumble to the ground and we say, I think we're alone now. And so this idea of, I think we're alone now, we're running away from life, is this kind of theme that we're going to come around to. And it's something we all can kind of understand. How many of you ran away from home as a child? A few of us. I, I did. Okay, so I was, um, I was probably about five, and I... I don't, I don't really remember what, but I wanted something. My mom didn't want to do what I said, and she was like, well, if you don't like it, you can just run away. So I, obedient child that I am, I packed my suitcase with my security blanket, all the money I had, I think it was about $2, um, got dressed and headed outside. It was at nighttime in the middle of a blizzard, so I was smart enough to have a snowsuit on when I left out, but I, didn't, I got to about the end of the driveway before my parents very angrily yelled for me to get myself back inside. And I obeyed then too, because I was smart enough to know I shouldn't be going anywhere in the middle of a snowstorm. Um, and I didn't know where I was running to, and I didn't really have that much of a plan. And honestly, $2, my security blanket and snowsuit probably wasn't gonna get me very far. And in reality, the problem that I was running away from wasn't really a problem. I was mad about something, life wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. And in my five-year-old self, I was like, well, I'm just going to leave then. And in some ways, I'll say there's a little bit of five-year-old Kristen still around, that sometimes there's that instinct when life isn't going exactly the way you want it to go, there's that initial pulse of, well, I'll just leave. And I think that kind of runs, resonates for all of us, that there's that, like, I'm just going to go. Obviously, this is different than being pursued by a homicidal king. But this idea of escape due to all sorts of reasons is something we've experienced. Sometimes we find ourselves running away into the night because of good reasons, because we need to, be, we need to get away from a dangerous situation, because we need a change in our circumstances. But sometimes we find ourselves running away because it's simply just not the way that we want it to be, but maybe the way that God wants it to be for us. Running away doesn't actually always mean for us literally running away. Sometimes it just means leaving a situation. Sometimes it's emotionally withdrawing. Sometimes it's changing jobs or changing up relationships or friend groups. These moments of stress that can trigger the desire to do that is a biological response, this idea of fight or flight. And this idea of flight is something that we've all probably experienced at one point or another. 
A couple of weeks ago, I did a two-day retreat, and when I checked into the hotel, the front desk person asked me why I was here, and I said, well, I'm just doing a little, little getaway. And he said, well, what are you getting away from? And I was like, life. I'm getting away from life. And he like looked, he goes, I was kind of expecting you to say like your kids or your in-laws or so I was like, no, I'm getting away from life. <laughs> and really it was that need that I had of a lot of stuff has been going on and I needed time to get away, spend time alone with God away from the everyday stressors of life. It was a time for me to reconnect. And retreats, vacations, mental health days, these are all ways that we perhaps try in healthy ways to get away from life and find and face and get the strength that we need in order to face the issues and stress of life. Many times these are already built in the rhythms of life. People sometimes do quarterly retreats. We have summer vacations and family vacations and we have Christmas vacations. And all of these things are things that may be already built in. But the situation we're finding ourselves in this Psalm of David isn't just a retreat. It's not a vacation for him. It is a flight from a life or death situation. And so what we want to talk about is not those running aways that are like our retreats, our getaways, but it's these moments when we, those moments of stress that trigger us to want to get away from that situation. So when those moments of stress happen, when those times of wanting to just not be with where the situation is, that you need to get away. My question to you is, what are you running from and what are you running to? We see places in the Bible and stories of the Bible where people ran from God and where people are running to God. In the case of Jonah, he was fleeing God. He was given an assignment to go and bring God's love and message to the people of Nineveh, and he did not want to complete that assignment. He ran away, jumped on a ship, tried to sail away, and he found himself in the belly of a giant fish. He was running from God, and I don't, obviously, Jonah didn't make up, wind up where he was headed. So sometimes God will stop a person in their tracks immediately in their attempt to run away. And other times it can take quite a while. If you look at the story of the prodigal son, he wanders for years before eventually making his way home to his father. Just like I'm sure none of us have been pursued by the uh, angry homicidal king, I doubt any of us have wound up in the belly of a fish from running from God. But I'm going to guess we've all wound up in places where we knew we weren't supposed to be because we wanted to run. You have times when people do run to God, where Jesus is many, many stories throughout the Bible where he withdraws to go up. From, he withdraws from the crowd, from the people who want his miracles, his teaching, and he goes and withdraws up to the mountain to renew his strength and spend time with the Lord so that he can remain in the vine with him. So are you running like Jonah, away from what God has from you? Are you running like the prodigal son, pursuing your own selfish desires? Or are you like Jesus, running to God to spend time with him and renew your strength there? Are you running from God? Or are you running to God? As we look at this psalm, I want us to look at three questions for you to ask yourself. That when you find yourself running, and you can wonder, I don't know whether I'm running to God or from God. I don't know. So here are the questions I want to ask. The first question I want you to ask yourself, are you running in pursuit of God's mercy? Starts off the psalm, have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. 
David opens up this psalm with asking for mercy from God. And on one hand, it makes sense that this is what David's asking for. He has someone who is, uh, wants to kill him. And, but on the other hand, you notice he's not blaming Saul. He's not throwing Saul in the... He is just looking at the person who can actually save him from this situation. He is recognizing the source of mercy, the source of favor in this time of trouble. He recognizes who he is trusting and where his rest is and where he can go in these times of trouble. He's going back to the source and the person who is in control of all of it. The morning I left on the retreat, I had taken off a Tuesday and Wednesday. So Tuesday morning, I get a call on my cell phone. It was from one of the people I work with at CDC. And he starts it off and he's like, so I wanted to let you know that this company that we work with, some, he says, they're really mad at you because you won't let them into the monkeypox sequencing group. And if any of you ask me, I won't let you all into the monkeypox sequencing group either. <laughs> but he was like, you know, he, the, the, there's some friction. There's some, some issues there with the relationship. And I was like, okay. And I was like, you know I'm not letting them in for ethical reasons, for conflict of interest. Like, this is a group that is only for governmental labs. It is not for a company. And he's like, you're absolutely right. Like, but they're mad and you need to make nice. And I'm like, all right, well, we'll I'll, I'll try and see what I can do. And if I hadn't already been headed on a retreat, I probably would have been ready to go on one after that phone call. Um, but, you know, it was one of those things that I was ruminating about that, about that as part of my retreat that I hadn't planned on thinking about. But as I was thinking about it, I wasn't focused on the company. I wasn't focused on the people who were actually mad at me. I was start, spent time focusing on what is the mission of the group that I'm in? What is my company, does my boss, does my, the leadership of my company, are they in agreement with me about what is, what's going on? Are the CDC who is funding me, are they okay with what's going on? And all of that was yes. And so my focus wasn't on the people who were mad at me. It was on the bigger picture. And all too often when we're in trouble, when we're facing someone or a situation or people are mad, we can stay focused on the person instead of looking to God who is in control, looking to him who can solve whatever it is that we're going to, who knows what's going on and has so much more power than any one person in our life. So when we're running, are we putting blame on who's pursuing a certain problem or are we actually gonna focus on who can actually solve our problems? Who can actually rescue us from the situation? As Christians, we need to remind ourselves that we are not to serve the world's priorities, but instead to serve God and his call on each of our lives. And it may not make sense to others, but when you are with him, it will make sense to you and to him. It would have been perfectly understandable for David to pray for a change in Saul's heart and mind since he was after him, and that's not a bad prayer to pray. But if that's all you focus on and you don't focus on the bigger picture, you're missing on so much more of what God can do in that situation. Do we know who is in control in those situations? The next question, are you running in pursuit of God's love? I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. It can be easy to ascribe, and for, especially for those who are not um, Christians to look at certain situations and think, how can you say God loves when you see this disaster, when you see this calamity, when you see this misfortune? 
it can be hard for people to see that. And there are plenty of psalms that you can see and you hear this, God, where are you? That's, that David cries out in these times. But here, David, and this is what we need to remind ourselves, David recognizes that God has already shown his love and his faithfulness. He says, the God who vindicates me. And when you look at that Hebrew word, it's the phrase, the God who completes for me the task perfectly. God has already solved whatever it is completely. In those moments of stress, it can be very hard to maybe grab onto that to see all those signs of God's love, even though they are sprinkled throughout each and every one of our days, whether or not we maybe notice them or not. But there's one thing that we can remember is that the very action of God sending his son, his one and only son, to live among us, to take on the sins, so that we could have everlasting life with him. It's the ultimate show of his love. And in those moments, when it is, can be so hard to look around you and come up with those small, tangible, come back to that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that we would not perish but have everlasting life. Come back to that love because it is the love that gave his son for each of us. My final question that I say that you should ask people, ask yourselves when you're running, are you running praising God? And it can seem a little bit antithetical to think, oh, I'm in trouble, let me praise. I kicked off this series, The Song of the Summer, with a song, psalm of praise, Psalm 147. And I preached at that point. I said, it's kind of weird sometimes to think about why does God want us to praise him? He is, what does he, why does he need my praise? Isn't he God? That's a question we can often ask. But what I said there is when we praise God, it's not about him. It's about, uh, about us recognizing God's greatness and God's vastness and who he is compared to each of us. It, praising God is not for him. It is for us so that we can refocus and know the vastness and the power that he is. In the psalm, it says, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Here's this interesting part of this story. While David's here in this cave writing the psalm, pursuing, Saul comes into that cave to go to the bathroom. And David's men there say to him, look, this is the day that the Lord spoke of when he said, I will give the enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Like, what an answer to prayer that is. Saul walks right in. And David crept up and he just cuts a portion of Saul's robe off. But immediately after he does that, he realizes he shouldn't have done that. He realizes this isn't in his hand to stop Saul. It's not his to commit harm. This all is under God, in God's hands. The best way to be in a posture of recognizing who God is and that he is the one to fight our battles, solve our problems, relieve our stress, fight our enemies, is to have a posture of praise. We sang in our first song, Blessed Be Your Name, it says you give and you take away. We praise when he gives and still blessed be your name. When he gives, we praise. When he takes away, we praise because of who God is. 
praising God, we can often just think it's thanking God. And sometimes when it's hard to find those, mo- those things that we're thankful for, it can be hard to even know why we're, we're going to thank him. But it's not just thanking him. It is recognizing God's power, his love, his mercy. And I would argue that the only reason that David was able to have that posture to not just go and kill Saul because he's walked right into the cave that he's hiding is because he was in this posture of praise. Because if you look throughout the psalm, it is in a posture of recognizing who God is, of his mercy and his love and his praise, and what God's role was in this situation versus what David's was. And this was God's problem to solve, not David's. As the worship team comes up, I want to close with this. I posed three questions about how we should know whether we are running from or to God. Are we running in pursuit of God's mercy? Are we running in pursuit of God's love? Are you running in a posture of praise? And I want to turn these questions into actions for you when you face the difficulties of this week. I think all of us sometime during this week, this month, maybe later today, we're going to have something that is going to trigger that stress response, that fight or flight response, and we might be tempted to flee. One thing I want to point out when you are faced with those moments, when you're facing that moments of stress, one of the things I noticed when I was preparing is that when you look at when he is in this case, he was with his men. He was not alone. The song that we're, I'm referencing today is that I think we're alone. It's we're alone. Not I'm alone. It's we're alone. So whether the we're is just you and God, because solo retreats can be good, but I would invite you that more often than not, you need to be in community. We need to be with one another. We say here at Grace City that you are not alone. And I want to repeat that. It is good for us to be alone with God together, just as we come together here and worship each Sunday. Maybe it's going to a baseball game on a Friday night or joining a book club or joining a small group. It is together that we come and retreat from the world alone, together, in community. We need to surround ourselves who can remind us to pursue God's mercy, to remind us to pursue God's love, to remind us to praise him. Corey often says we're either in trouble, headed to trouble, or on our way out of trouble. And so I said, I think it's safe to say we're all going to face some trouble at some point. But I want to say that no matter what it is that you face, no matter how big or how small of the stress that you encounter, I want you to know that God is bigger and greater than any circumstance or person that may be after you or thing that you may have to deal with. And I want you to pray for his mercy. No matter what you may feel in that moment, and those feelings are real, but you need to know that God loves you and he is faithful to you and loves you more than you could ever imagine. And no matter what trouble you're facing, praise him for knowing that he has already achieved victory in that situation and know that it is not your fight to fight, but his to fight on your behalf. And it isn't so much greater for him to be fighting than for each of us. So let us stand together, and we're going to be singing, Great Are You, Lord, and the lyrics, you give life. You are love. You bring light into the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken, and great are you, Lord. Let's praise him together.